welcome to another episode of the Faith in Action podcast brought to you by Christian Union Martis. I am your host, Caleb Watt, here with my two black-shirted and incredible co-hosts, Tommy Kumpf and Isaiah Scott Smith. Wow, two co-hosts today. This is uh, quite, the, quite the feat, quite the event. How are you doing today, Tommy and Isaiah? Doing well. Also doing well. <laughs> I'm actually pretty excited, Caleb. Oh, wait, why are you excited? <laughs> oh, why am I excited? Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> virtually in front of me right now, sitting oh, in his house on 39th and Lancaster. Wait, you mean is, he's not on top of a stack of books? He is on top of a stack of books. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> As well, is the one and only Andrew Roberts. Wow. Glad to be on. Did, I must ask, did you guys uh, coordinate the wardrobe? <laughs> Yo, shoot, we're all in black. Black's just a great you are, color. We're wearing black t-shirts right now. You know what? I think it was just a vibe. Yep. Yeah, big mood. Big mood. <laughs> but yeah, Tommy, you want to tell us uh, why we're here today? Yes. So today we are here with part of our interviews, which is something this podcast does, where we interview members of the community who are a lot of people know, uh, like Andrew Roberts. We hear about their testimony. We hear kind of their thoughts and we hear their story of how they've walked with Christ and how that walk with Christ has been influenced by Christian Union Martis. Uh, so we are here with Andrew Roberts to learn about all of those things today. Yes, incredible. So Andrew, would you like to start by telling us a little bit about who you are, like a little bit rough background before uh, we get into the testimony? Oh, before testimony. Yeah, okay. So, um, so yeah, I'm a, I guess I technically have not graduated yet, but I'm a soon, very soon to be graduated senior at Penn. Um, my degree will be in physics. Let's go. Um, yeah. Uh, and next year I will be um, starting a PhD program at Carnegie Mellon in particle physics. Um, oh. So that'll be fun. Uh, outside of school, I love baking and playing Frisbee. Andrew is very tall. He is very, I am very tall. tall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very tall. Don't know. Unfortunately, I can't jump, which does not help for Ooh. Frisbee. Ooh. You cut Andrew? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. What? So, Andrew, now start with where your sigh started us off earlier. <laughs> start the testimony. So, again, it's pretty much whatever you feel like is useful. But really, I mean, just start, I guess, as young as you can and then kind of build from there. Sure. So, um, how do I start this? At all points in my life, I can see the hand of God clearly working both for my benefit and for his. So I grew up in a Christian home, like many of you did. Um, my parents both more or less came to Christ in college. Um, my mom was raised in an Episcopalian household, but her family is kind of nominal. And so I, you know, I did all the things that everyone does when they're a kid in a Christian household. I went to Sunday school. I went to church every Sunday. I, I can't really imagine ever, like the only real consistent reason I've had for not going to church on Sunday is Frisbee. Um, and that's like a, a just a personal choice I've made. So it's hard for me to imagine doing anything other than like church on Sunday. My parents taught me a good deal of scripture when I was younger. So I had like a, they had a sheet of like 40 verses or so. At one point that I had all memorized, although I've forgotten almost all of them because I didn't practice enough. So I have, I have all these things going for me. I have this great inheritance of, of being taught scripture and being, being exposed to Christianity from a very young age. But I think I had a similar experience to many of you in that it didn't really connect with my heart for most of childhood. So I, I did the motions. I told everyone I was Christian. I, when people asked me questions, I knew the right answers and I could give them, but it didn't really change much of the way I thought or the way I acted or what I saw my purpose to be. 
for some reason, I remember it being in my history classroom, although I'm not sure if it actually happened in that classroom, but in high school, where I was just like beginning to think about how hard the problems of the world are. And I was like, why isn't there a solution? I'm, I'm a physics guy, right? So I like solutions to things. And I was like, oh, Jesus is the solution, right? And this, this was a, like a pretty important realization to make because it, it framed all the, all the things that I saw wrong with the world in terms of like the need for, for Jesus. But that did not change much of my action. So if you ask anybody in my high school, I was very Christian. I told everyone I was Christian. I did Christian things like not have sex with my girlfriend, right? But I didn't really follow Jesus at all. And this is like, so post, post-realization, I have a very strong intellectual understanding of like the need for Christ, but it doesn't feel like a need for me to have Christ. It just feels like a, it must be true. And I don't know what happened. It just kind of continued for most high school. I don't know what happened. College, I just started, I don't know, maybe it was the first week of college where I was just like, I, I need to figure out what this means like on my own now. I can't just like wait for my parents to go to church. So like, maybe I should go to church. That seems like a good thing to do. And the first semester of college, I was, um, my church in it was, students was pretty poor because the only reason I had was like, why not go, right? Like, it's the truth. So like, what you know, I might as well just keep going. I think I went like maybe on average one out of every two Sundays. But again, still not really understanding what it means. Well, that's not quite true. Yeah, during this time, I started to understand what it meant to like follow Jesus. I can't point to a moment where I like started following Jesus other than it was sometime freshman year probably maybe even after that or slightly before and it really started to hit me like what it meant for jesus to be the answer like what what that realization i had in high school really meant that it meant not only that like problems had problems that like seemed to have no solution actually did have a solution it also meant that like my actions needed to conform to this solution right that my my thoughts and my my purposes and and my desires and my actions should all conform themselves to the truth that I already had realized for a while. And that's kind of like where I became a follower of Jesus. And the thing that I keep coming back to is like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed. I don't know. Like there wasn't a time when someone sat down and said like, you need to follow Jesus, Andrew, and you're not doing that. Like there wasn't like a, a time where I even realized like what it meant. It just started happening. And this is what I meant earlier by like, the hand of God was clearly displayed because like, that's not, that's not anything that anyone did. That's just the the Holy spirit. And, and the fact that like, as I came into this understanding of what it meant to follow Jesus, I already had this inheritance of scripture and of Christian experiences and, and of like people I knew who loved Jesus that like, I had no merit. Like I had no reason. For, I didn't earn those. Right. But when I, when I started to follow Jesus, I already had them. And that was, that's something I'm very thankful for. Mm. Another thing that I've grown into is what it means to like how do i say this to i'm just gonna use the word consider the gospel what it means uh not only to 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 think about like the bible and, and theology and scripture in like a very intellectual way one thing that i didn't have in my childhood that i wish i did is someone like to sit me down and talk about like how to read the bible and like and like to take me to a verse by verse by like you know maybe luke or romans or something and how to like not only read them but also parse them and understand them and connect them to the greater arc of scripture. Um, and this is something that I've really, really enjoyed learning in the last couple of years. And something that I, I didn't learn in childhood is not only like what it means to be Christian, but also what it means to like read God's word and understand mm-hmm. it and let it change you. 
and this is I say this because this is somewhat what I'm known for, uh, but it was it was something that I like. I have now because I wish I had it earlier and because I was lacking it. So I think that's most of it. Uh, I'm not, there's not like a, there's not a whole lot to tell. It's not like a, it's not like a, a bunch of like a rising action thing with a climax and no resolution. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> it's kind of like there was a before and there was an after and something in between that I can't quite define, mm-hmm. but a very clear difference between the two. Mm. Yeah. So, this change happened you said during your freshman year or was it like probably like r- roughly throughout this this time period yeah so how has your interaction with christian union been influenced like before that kind of like at the start of freshman year and then more yeah. up until the current day yeah or even yeah. with like church and stuff like that yeah um it was definitely i think it was yeah bible course was an important part of it so like Tommy, I've had Tucker all four years. And I, I said this at, I think it was, maybe a senior filia, but like Tucker was the guy who kind of like caught me and like didn't let me just kind of let my faith die. I don't know how I found him freshman year. I don't know if he reached out to me or whatever. But I remember having coffee with him and a friend of mine, Maki, at Starbucks. Like, the, like I think it was during NSO and just talking and realizing that like, oh, this is this is a guy who knows what he's doing. So that was that was an important part of it. And... So I went to Bible course very consistently freshman year. I also ended up bringing a couple of roommates to it, which is fun, but that didn't really go anywhere. But again, it didn't quite connect because my church attendance was still poor during that time. But it was definitely the starting place. And since since that whole period, I have made it into my home among Christian brothers and sisters. My church has its own Christian college program, but it's a bit smaller. And there's only one other senior from Penn. Maki, incidentally. <laughs> so CU has really been where I found most of my, the, the majority of my Christian friends, not all, the majority of my Christian friends, and like the, the house you guys are in right now, Bruce Ages, like where I'd go every every Wednesday senior year and just hang out with people I loved. So that's, what, that's, what, that's what CU's really been to me, is that the place where I like started understanding what it meant to follow Jesus and like the place where I really got comfortable in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. You know, something you said toward the start is you had a very strong, or maybe at least a very strong acknowledgement of Christianity intellectually as you were growing up, but not really a, you know, like you didn't really see faith in yourself. Like you knew this existed, but you didn't necessarily interact with it that much. I'm curious now being able to see both sides of it, mm-hmm. the before and after the change. What are some of the characteristics and maybe like, not so much even just the intellectual, but like, you know, the pragmatic characteristics, the emotional characteristics of yourself now versus who you were before the change. What do you kind of see as being different? Yeah, that's a good question. A a big, so my intellectual understanding of Christianity before this change was very strong, but it wasn't very thorough. Mm. It was like, it was basically just Jesus must be the truth. That was pretty much all there was to it. Mm. There was no like understanding of theology or really of the gospel. Although, like, if you'd asked me, I may have been able to repeat it to you. So one of the big changes is is not only, like, knowing the base truth, or not even the base truth, but knowing, like, something about it to knowing much more, right? Mm-hmm. So a big part of, of what I enjoy most about Christianity is, like, taking my Bible and just, like, asking questions. So, for example, just a fun toy case is, like, what's going to happen at the end of time? Like, what's, what's going to happen? And there's a lot of stuff to think about, and none of it is clear. And 
something I really enjoy doing is just like, what can I look forward to? What is what is there for me to hope in? And no, there's tons of disagreement on this. And, and one of the great parts about this particular case is that you don't have to decide on too much because it doesn't change your actions. But like, um, that is a very big change between before and after is that like, now what I enjoy is like taking the big questions I have and subjecting them to God's word. Um, and also in when when necessary, like letting them change my actions. So one of the consequences of, or not, not one of the consequences, one of the same things as, you know, what I said earlier about how I, I knew the gospel was true before I actually ended up believing it. When I come to a realization about like uh, an action that I've been taking that's ended up being sinful, it takes a while for it to actually you know, trickle down into my, into actually changing my action. But it does, it does now, um, where it didn't before. Mm-hmm. but it, it's still frustrating that it takes so long. Right. Yeah, so actually I have a question that I, I guess you probably get a lot, um, but it's the classic, like how do you reconcile your faith with like science and academia type of thing? Yep. Because you are, yeah, you are question. the biggest <laughs> physics guy that I know um, because I'm a very I'm small a physics physic. guy. <laughs> Both in stature and in uh, desiring, I, I don't know. But like, yeah, so in a in a field where it feels like, I don't know, like, faith is something that isn't like really a part of it right like we we take a lot of things for granted in physics and there feels like there has to be a unification theory there has to be something that we can get to at the end of the day that will explain all this and once we're able to do it then we can explain away god type of deal how do you reconcile the the this like thirst for that sort of knowledge and also your faith right knowing that there is something unknowable about the universe fundamentally that's uh, that's a great question and one I actually really enjoy answering. So just to just to further like punch in what you're saying about how like some kind of a fundamental godlike arrogance is part of of science. There's if you've ever got a chance to read the book A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking, it's a great book. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. He kind of takes you through like the basics of physics and cosmology, understanding of the universe and and particles and all these sorts of things. And it's wonderfully written. But the last chapter he talks about the future of physics. And, and all of physics is kind of working toward this, this GUT, grand universal theory that can explain everything. And the last sentence of the book, and I kid you not, is like talking about like when we get to the GUT, then we will know the mind of God. Mm. And it's just like a classic case of like the arrogance it takes to say that. Like he, he's seeing the, the knowledge of physics as like om, omniscience, mm. right? And, and that's a really big part of physics. And, and of studying physics is like how you can do physics and not like not do that. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's kind of like an underlying assumption that um, everyone kind of works with that like more knowledge is good because it's knowledge and because like we want to know things. That's like, that's not inherently bad, but it leads to the, like the quote I just mentioned where it becomes like an idol, but I don't think it requires that. I think from start to finish, the history of physics and its discoveries shows the glory of creation, shows the beauty that God has endowed in what he has made wholly and thoroughly. And it is my gift to be able to explore that and add maybe a little bit onto it in, in however much time I get to study it. There's a, a big, an important part of this discussion is really understanding what physics is and what it's not. So, or I guess what really what science is, but physics is of course science. So you should ask the question like, what does physics, what do scientific discoveries teach us? What do they actually tell us about the world? And what they do is they, they tell us 
what is useful. They say that like if you have you know a certain number of conditions and you do something, this will be the result. So I'm going to call this like empirical uh, predictability, empirical power. The, it gives you the power to like, if you know something about a situation, you can kind of predict its future within a, like very well-defined limits. However, um, knowing the outcome of something doesn't actually tell you what is true about it. So take an example. If you have some current running in a wire and you have a switch, you can do some physics on that circuit. And you know, as you flip a switch, it will turn a light bulb on, right? And you can say, well, this is because the electric charge in the in the wire powers the like the 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 filament in the lamp, and this makes a light, right? And you complete the circuit when it's attached to a potential supply, it, it it turns the light bulb on. But you don't actually know if there's any current in the wire, right? You don't actually know, like like truthfully, how the light bulb turns on. You just have a set of like um, ideas that you can use to explain it, and that work really well in experiment because they tell you what's going to happen, but they don't tell you like what's actually going on. It's just like a best guess. And if it works, it works. And you don't need to care what's going on in the wire because you can, you know, everything that like you, you're able, you're able to predict anything that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's the big thing is science doesn't tell us what is true. It tells us what is useful. And so when we ask it to tell us what is true, we end up making an idol out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we, we take, um, you know, the, the trend of physics toward this grand universal theory as like the like trend of physics toward universal truth and toward like like absolute morality and and knowledge and that sort of thing and that's not right we have no way of knowing if anything we're discovering is actually true we can only tell if it's useful mm-hmm. so um that's how i generally rectify theology and science because unlike science the bible actually tells us what is true it was written by the source of truth and its word are, are for us to understand, to learn about he who wrote it. That's dope. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy mixing it up. <laughs> no, that's actually so cool. That's so interesting. I'm going to have to think about that more because I guess it is not truth. Like it feels like for all <laughs> intents and purposes, it can act as truth. But you're, the distinction you're making is there a fundamental difference between what? access truth and what is truth i.e the bible that's cool for what it's worth um the 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 idea about how science tells us what is useful not what is true is actually not like a theological idea i'm there's a a a part of um philosophy of science uh, there's an opinion in philosophy of science called scientific anti-realism and that's basically what i'm citing here Mm -hmm. so this isn't this isn't even like a theological idea this is a a one proposed by secular philosophers Mm -hmm. oh whoa it's interesting. Wow. Shoot. <laughs> so obviously uh, they wouldn't cite the Bible as true, but <laughs> right. But they, they make the distinction between, wow, that's really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. So on a slightly different note, unless any, um, how would you compare in your time at college, the differences between Christian union and 10th or just in general, like your <laughs> church and then the, extracurricular is kind of what I think of it as ministry of Christian union and like the different roles those have played in your life and the different ways you viewed them. So this is a difficult question. Um, you're asking about not only like what they are, but also what the places they've taken in my life. So as we all know, uh, thanks to, to someone very special to us, Christian union is not church. <laughs> uh, oh, Wow. <laughs> 
Oh, wait, shoot. We not have, a replacement have for church. <laughs> I just hit them. I just hit them. Sorry. Um, Christian Union is not church. Um, oh my goodness. And it's um, it doesn't give us the things that church is supposed to give us. So the speakers at Philia aren't meant to like teach us like the doctrines of God or to teach us um, the Bible. They aren't they aren't meant to admonish us if we need it. They aren't meant to correct um, and discipline us. Um, they can do that, but they don't necessarily do that. Additionally, we don't participate in um, communion at, at CU. We don't do things like that. So church and, and 10th, which is the church I go to, is really what where that sort of thing is meant for, where you, where you attend a church. When you attend a church, you subject yourself um, to the discipline of the elders and to their teaching. Um, and you also acknowledge your responsibility to, to the church to, to teach it and to encourage it and to support it when it needs both like financially, if, if you have the ability to, and also with like your time and your effort and, and see you really isn't, isn't that right. It's a place for us to gather and enjoy each other's company and think about, think about questions and, and our place in the world and our place at a very secular university. It's like icing on a cake, but you really need the cake in order to have the icing. Yeah, is that, is that more or less answer your question? Yeah, I guess so. But so that that seems like the what their roles are in general in your life. Have you fair, found like fair. a nuance? Yeah. So CU is very diverse in in theological basis in terms of you know ethnic and, and social background. Um, Tenth is much less so, mostly in the in the theolog- theological basis, less so in the in the ethnic, but but still less diverse. It's a I can be a little bit more comfortable about being in the presence of or a little bit more um, comfortable sharing opinions that like I would find be a little bit more nervous about at CU because I, I, I understand that people who attend 10th, you know, they like the same sorts of music I do. They like the, the, the traditional liturgy of 10th. They admire like the, or they value the, like the, the theological richness of the preaching. Um, and this, this is nice. It's a little bit easier to commune with people at 10th in general, but the diversity of, of CU is, one of its greatest strengths, because it means that when I'm when I'm talking with people at CU, I can I'm not like sheltered from opinions I'm not familiar with. I can learn and test what I believe to come to come to some uh, hopefully a solution that's more true. There's a, a verse in First Corinthians where I think it's in the part that's talking about communion, where Paul basically says that there must be divisions among you, so that like what is true and and who is like true or who is right rather can show itself. And that's like kind of what CU is good for. Because you won't know what's right unless you like talk with people and expose yourself to different opinions. And that's, I really, really enjoyed doing that with you guys and with everyone else at CU. That is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> sorry, I'm getting the look that I'm supposed to talk now. <laughs> oh, no, I thought you just had a question. From no, sorry. I was lost talking. in, I was thinking about, um, I was lost in thought, but I can go ahead. You know, Andrew, I am curious since this is the faith in action podcast with christian union martis martis christian union martis <laughs> sorry i have to get the branding correct um make see you make see you martis see you at pen <laughs> i know it's 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 layered now <laughs> but you know i think you know as being a senior and being able to see the strengths and weaknesses of christian union you know what kind of as an organization where do you think maybe we could grow into? Um, what are kind of been maybe some of the tensions you felt being here and kind of maybe what are the things that we can be thinking about as those of us who are going to stay 
over these next few sure. years? Sure. It's a good question. I will echo what others have said previously about more service, which is good. Um, I really enjoyed the greater focus we had on service this year. And I think it's uh, like a thing that really should continue. But I won't repeat what others have said because they said it better than me. So what I'll add on to that is I'd love to see an increase in evangelism um, mm-hmm. within CU. Uh, I remember, uh, I think it was last year in junior year, we had a, a missionary, a foreign missionary who went to Thailand come and speak at my church. And uh, he had he had been in like a, a, a mission hospital. And maybe, maybe, it was, maybe it was Thailand, but it was one of the nations in Southeast Asia. He had been in a missions hospital in, in rural Southeast Asia, maybe Thailand. And um, like been around for years doing ministry to people with um, uh, leprosy and and you know, other diseases he's found there. And he recounted a story of before he went on into this mission, being asked, like, which is more important to you, service or missions? Like service or evangelism? And he kind of said, and I, I love this response, said, that's a ridiculous question. That's like asking me, which which wing on my plane is more important? Mm-hmm. You really need both. Um, if you're going to serve people, you need to serve the whole person. You can't just mm-hmm. serve one one side of them. And so I think as we continue to pour ourselves into service, um, we should also pour ourselves into more evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do, uh, we have, do have the, the apple cider outreach that we do, which is great. Um, <laughs> free hot and, apple and cider. Free hot apple cider. And that's connected with, um, with Skeptic's Dinner. This is all, this is all great stuff. But I'd love to see something more uh, direct, something more like, both like organized, um, like maybe we go out and locust walk and just like ask people if they what they think about Jesus. That, that's very bold to do, but I think it, it'd be it'd be good. But I also want us to encourage each other to like make make friendships with non-Christians and to not only like exemplify Jesus in our actions and how we act towards them, but also to like do that in our words as well and mm-hmm. to like seek out places to share the gospel with our with our non-Christian friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if we truly like let the gospel sink into us it necessarily leads us to like not be able to keep it in mm. and the harvest is plenty but the laborers are few mm-hmm. I'll, I'll i'll end with another story just to kind of punch in the importance of this when uh hudson taylor i was told this is a story related to hudson taylor it might have been somewhere else with another, another missionary but hudson taylor was the was the first big western missionary to china um, in the 1800s and the story goes when he had just gotten done preaching the gospel in a square uh, in some, some town in China. And, uh, and a man came up with him and uh, came up to him and said, my great grandfather spent all his life looking for the truth and couldn't find it. My father spent all his life looking for the truth and couldn't find it. I spent all my life looking for the truth and now I've found it. How long have you had this truth? Mm-hmm. And of course the answer for Hudson Taylor was 1800 years. And that's how long it took them to get to China. And I, and I think we have a place where people already kind of have heard the name of Jesus, right? Let's um, let's uh, let's reap the harvest and do God's work. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I have a question that's relating to that. So in your testimony, and I know like a lot of testimonies as you mentioned, there's kind of this this moment where like the gospel sets into the heart and it becomes way more real and starts to affect life. So, right. Well, that's yeah. Essentially what happens, right? And so in this talk of evangelism, I would imagine, I mean, when I was a freshman Christian union, when you were a freshman Christian union, we were kind of in this state where we, I don't know if need to be evangelized too is the right way of putting it, but like 
there was definitely a part in which I needed the gospel fed into me just as much as someone like across the country. So what would you think? I know, and this is, this is where it gets really hard. So whatever you can think of, I would love to hear. Cause you're like, I don't know what happened. God just kind of moved in my heart and made this change freshman year and made you love him more. But what do you think we can do as a community um, in Christian union to help those who are freshmen to like get to this place, like this change of heart, like reading the Bible or something you mentioned earlier, like what, what type of things of that variety do you think would be helpful to evangelize even within our midst? And I might have a little addendum to that question too, because I've been mulling over this a little bit, but yeah, as you might well know, Andrew, since you are big into reading like stuff, um, one of the things Jonathan Edwards talks about um, in the de- decline of a church, right, is that we fall into like this formal religiosity um, and church is all about just like going through the motions and seeming religious. And then that eventually leads to apostasy. So your experience of doing that, right? Like going, just going through the motions and then somehow God redeeming you out of that, like is like speaks a lot to God's grace in your life, as, as you said, but like along with what Tommy's saying, then like, how would you approach a situation like that too, where you have someone who is just going through the motions who is in this like formal religion, but doesn't have the like heart change from the spirit that isn't seeking that, or maybe isn't aware that they are lacking that either. Yeah, this is a great question. And before I answer it, I, I say one of the, one of the things that CU is really, really good at is um, catching people who were on the brink of not knowing if they wanted to continue being Christian and, and helping them understand that like, they need to continue and also how to continue. That was what happened to me. Sounds like what happened to Tommy and to a bunch of other people as well. And CU is really good at it. So your question is like, how do we do missions to them? Yeah. Um, Like how do we, what would you have wanted someone to say to you when you were a freshman? Yeah, this is hard. Uh, The answer is there's really nothing we can do. Like there's not a silver bullet. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try. For me, what I needed was someone to like sit down and read the Bible with me and like, and go over it, not just like in a, like a hand wavy sort of like, this is what the gospel is, but like actually take me through like Luke or something verse by verse and tell me like what it means. The problem is everyone needs different things. Hmm. I'm not sure there's like one thing that would be helpful in general. And this is like a very valid mission field. Um, Mm -hmm. But I honestly think that sort of like exegetical Bible study is a good place to start because you can't really in order to follow Jesus, you need to know what he, what he's telling you to do. And, you know, you have to study the Bible at some point or another. So I, I think that's a, a good place to start, but I am not sure it's like a silver bullet. There, there is fertile soil and there's rocky soil and there's like thorny soil. And even the, even the fertile soil needs like different things depending on, on, you know, who it is. Hmm. I thought you were going to give us the answer. <laughs> Shoot. The ultimate solution for how to convert oh, right. every freshman. <laughs> but no, I... There it is. That's the answer. No, no, that, I appreciate that answer a lot. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's really good. And we can't. There is there is no like one thing we can do that's just going to finish it. It's just like the repeated feeding of the gospel and servicing like people and loving them over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we spent a lot of time looking back, um, looking a little bit more forward again. So you're about to go to 
Pittsburgh. I believe that is correct. Yeah. You know, yeah, as you're going into this new uncharted territory, kind of what are you thinking about in terms of like finding a church, finding community? Maybe what are some concerns you have or just kind of what what's going through your head right now? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So and this is something I meant to mention when you asked me about how do I think about science and, and religion. There is a probably first and foremost a concern that like I will be rejected because I am Christian in my job. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I'm going to make it without sharing the gospel with my coworkers. Like that's mm-hmm. that's something I am driven to do by everything in my body. And I don't know how they're going to react to that. Um, I hope I end up like staying in. Um, I would love to continue to do physics, but you know, we'll see what happens. So that's kind of like the biggest thing in my mind is if I'll be accepted as a Christian in, in, in the physics department at CMU. In terms of finding a church, I actually have it a little bit easy. There was a 10th intern who, Isaiah, you may remember, you may remember Oliver. Oh, um, from yes, I do. Who, who He now works at a college ministry in Pittsburgh. So I haven't reached out to him yet. I need to soon. But he's the college ministry, so he must be relatively close to Carnegie Mellon. Um, so I was, I was going to email him. And he works at a PCA church, which is the same denomination as, as 10th. So it's a good place to start. I, I, I like Google mapped like churches like while hovering <laughs> over CMU's campus, and there were like tons of options. So um, church hunting is going to be hard, but I, I'm confident I'll be able to find uh, a home. I don't think I have any other concerns. I mean, perhaps the other one is still up in the air if in-person classes are going to be a thing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's not something I can do a whole lot about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, with that, I'm also curious, how have you been... Um handling the COVID-19 situation, especially like, you know, in terms of your own spiritual walk, trying to keep up with devotions, like how's it been affecting you? Good question. The biggest thing is I really miss church. By far the biggest thing. It's, you know, they say you never know what you have until it's gone. And wow, I didn't know what I had in attending church weekly until I didn't have it. It would be better if I had um, other Christians to, to go to church with, but I, all my roommates are not Christian. It's just me at my laptop in my room, and dang, it sucks. It's really, really not anything like in-person church. So that's that's been hard because it's hard to get up in the morning when I you know I need to go to church and I really you know don't want to because it's just not what I want it to be anymore. But I, there's still like a sermon every week and there's still some songs to sing, which is good. I've been trying to live on that. Devotionals have been hard because you know I have more time now, so I should have more time to do devotionals, but um, not as much. Um, I had, they have, haven't been devoid of, of personal um, prayer time, but not as much as I would have liked. Mm. I'll, uh, I'll be going home probably in a week and a half or so, and I hope that'll make it easier, especially because I'll be able to worship with my, with my family. Mm. Um, but as of now, that's, that's what the situation is. So going off of that, what has it been like with your experience in living with non-Christians? I mean, in this time, but like in general, having a lot of very close non-Christian friends who I've heard and I'm, and I know you are constantly evangelizing to, what is it like one, you know, they've heard the gospel from you a lot. Like, well, yeah. Just what does that experience in that walk look like? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great and a lot of not so great. The great parts have been, I love these guys. They're, they're my very good friends and it's been really valuable to talk with them both about, you know, the gospel when, when, when it's a good thing to talk about and when it's a good time. Um, but also about, you know, like or philosophy or, or whatever they want to talk about. I really enjoy that. Um, and I really enjoyed the chance to 
test my understanding of Christianity against like a very competent secular secular worldview set of worldviews. Like my roommates are not dumb; they have very well thought out opinions, and it's been really good for me to like develop an understanding of of how non Christians think and how to how to talk to them about the gospel, but also like how my understanding of the Bible like is right because it is. So that's that's been really great. Um, and I, I'm really going to miss them when I graduate soon. The hard parts have been, it means my closest friends aren't Christians, which means I can only go to them with so much of my problems. Before quarantine, this was mostly fine because I could just go to Brosage and do it instead, which is what I did. And that, that was that was really good for me to be able to to have like a really bunch of really good friends, um, very close and very easily accessible. I really miss you guys a lot because it's been two mm-hmm. months since that that was possible. Yeah. Um, and that's that's been pretty hard. Is it was it was really good when I was able to to leave and enter into like a Christian bubble and just relax for a bit. It just feels now like my shields are always up. Mm-hmm. Um, which is shields being up is fine. I just you know I'd like to take them down every once in a while. Um, that, that's that's been hard. Yeah. So there's, there's there's good and there's not as bad. I think. When I go to Pittsburgh, I would like to live with Christian guys, though. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think this whole situation has really deprived us all of a lot of the community we enjoyed. And, like, we are made to be together, um, not over mm-hmm. Google Hangouts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not the same. Yeah. yeah. It was not good that man did not have Google Hangouts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> there we go. But, yeah, so... Before we begin wrapping up, Andrew, would there be any last thoughts mm-hmm. that you had that you wanted to share um, that maybe came up while we were discussing your, your story or asking questions and stuff like that? Either about Christian Union, about church, or yeah, anything. Nothing that jumps out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just know that I uh, all I am is a servant of God, and all my life is is a display of his glory. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that's all I've seen from CU and all I've gained from CU. Right. And I can't ask for much more than that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well. Yeah. And something I want to say before we close is it's definitely been a pleasure, Andrew, because, you know, I've known you all four years and have grown from acquaintance to friend over those four years. And to provide some empirical evidence to what you've been saying, I can clearly see the change <laughs> in your life uh, with Christ. Like it is. It is Thanks incredible time. and encouraging to see how much you have grown and how much more you love Jesus and the gospel now. And so it's been really a pleasure to watch that and watch him work in you. So yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. I think, although I haven't been with you for four years, I have enjoyed the three of being able to know you Hopefully and call you a friend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I really appreciate the mind that God has given you. And I think you have such an interesting way to think about things and I've always enjoyed hearing your perspective. And even today it's been amazing. Um, and I really appreciate too, your just love and compassion for the Lord. Like I think, you know, I think sometimes for somebody who's in physics, they, you know, we might see them as being purely intellectual, but like you really have such a big heart and it's, it's been a pleasure to see it, um, these past three years. And so it's been awesome, man. Yeah, Only even. because God has given me a, a heart of flesh. <laughs> Amen. 
Yeah, but like even in, in my two years, <laughs> we're just going down. Where's a freshman? Yeah, what? We need a freshman. Uh, but no, like even in my two years, yeah. I mean, as I shared on my testimony, one of my first distinct memories from coming to Quaker Days is you giving me your number, <laughs> telling me to text you if I need help with physics. Um, not even though, like, I didn't know where I was coming to Penn or. Oh, going to Carnegie Mellon? Holy crap, it would have worked out either ways. Anyways. Oh, that's <laughs> but yeah, no, like, yeah, even two years, like, being able to hear a lot of what you say, Andrew, but, like, the way you say it, like, specifically, right? Like, it's very clear that you have, like, a very strong intellectual understanding of, like, a lot of topics in the Bible, um, but you've always presented it in such a, like, humble way, right? Like, that it wasn't like, oh, shoot, I'm stupid for not knowing, but, like, wow, you want me to learn more and to grow in my understanding as well. So with that being said, I will now sprinkle my children uh, when I grow up. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he, he got me good. Anyways. It had to happen. I'm so glad. I had so much frustration with that argument. Oh my goodness. It's all in the covenantal structure of the uh, dog. Um, <laughs> with that being said, that brings us to the end of this episode, which was brought to you Duncan by Christian Duncan. Union Martis. Um, it was recorded, produced, and edited by Just Be Records. Special thanks to Andrew Roberts for being with us today. Views of the speakers and hosts are not necessarily reflective of Christian Union Martis as a whole. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you got the gospel today from this episode. Have a great day, and we will see you next time. Bye.